Good morning, church. I'm glad to be here. Um, a lot of you don't know who I am, so I'm going to quickly introduce myself and some of my family. One of my family members was able to come with me. Her name's Kensley. She's in the front row, um, and she's a ninth grader, um, and she's my oldest. And then up here, you'll see here soon uh, a picture of my family. Uh, probably have to advance that here. So uh, let's let's see if we can get it up here. Eldon. I flipped it on here. There, no, I don't want to go any further. There we go. I was like, Lord, let me start praying now. The tech, the audio visual and all that's going haywire here. Hey, but this is my family. Um, uh, I've been a pastor um, and, and I love my family so much that I couldn't do ministry without a great family. Um, and so my family is my wife is Shannon. She's on you can tell which one she is. Uh, and then my boy, he's Bowen. And then my other daughter is Peyton. Um, my two daughters love Jesus. They follow Jesus. They have uh, helped me in my ministry there at our local church called Chillicothe Baptist Church. Uh, we're in southern Ohio, Ross County. If you uh, are familiar with counties in Ohio, um, we are in uh, the, the, not the southernmost, but we're in southern Ohio. It's below Circleville. And I always tell people, if you know where the Circleville Pumpkin Show is, you'll know where I am. Um, so I've been pastoring there as an associate pastor at Chillicothe Baptist Church for, again, 14 years. And I've been able to do that with my family. We're still praying for my son, Bowen, to come to know Jesus. He's only four. And people always tell me, Pastor, just, just keep praying. It'll happen. So uh, I'm praying for that uh, moment to come up and, and be a part uh, of his life. But I just want to say really quickly to Ben and to Abby, um, those uh, and Eldon and, and others here, that uh, Kyle, that make up your pastoral staff here, you have great leaders here in this church. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be able to come today as we take a break from uh, Genesis. We're going to be looking in the Gospel of Matthew today at a parable, and it's going to be found in uh, chapter 22. And uh, so what I want to say today is my title of my message today, make sure it gets up here. If not, we'll go low tech. There it is. This is the title of the invitation uh, of the message today. It's an invitation to participate in the kingdom. Um, we were singing a lot about the gospel and about who Jesus is. And one of the greatest treasures that we have is that if you know Christ and you have a personal relationship with Christ, you have been invited into an invitation to participate into the kingdom. And I want us to be reminded of, of the great blessing that is, is, is none of us in our own uh, righteousness, our own standing of merit, are able to do that on our own. It's only because of what Christ has done for us. So today we're going to be looking at the invitation to participate in the kingdom. And this is a parable uh, that we're going to look at in the 22nd uh, chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 14. It's a parable that is going to be one of histor uh, historical value, but also of personal meaning. So there's going to be some things that draw us back to the Old Testament, looking at the prophets and, and those uh, in the New Testament pointing to Christ in, in somewhat uh, a, a historical lesson, but also a personal uh, application here this morning that we're going to learn the, the, key, the key kingdom truth that I want us here today as the church to take home with us is this, that as we look at this uh, parable, the Lord's parable in Matthew 22, we're going to see that it illustrates that God extends a gracious invitation to a people uh, to participate in his kingdom. 
Only through as accepting this invitation does it lead to one having joy, but also there is at the end of the parable is it shows one who rejected the invitation to come uh, in the right ways. And so there's this rejection will will lead us to see that those who reject the invitation of the king to come to the great marriage feast of his son will be those who will face punishment and judgment. And, and, and I say that with, with, a sober, with a sobering thought of that I don't want anyone to go to uh, not miss the invitation that God has for them extended. So here's what I, uh, we do in our church. I'm going to ask if you're able to, to stand as we read the honoring of God's word. If you're able to do that, we're going to be picking up in verse 1, uh, working our way through 14. Again, this is the parable of the, the marriage feast. Uh, And it says this in verse 1, And again Jesus spoke to them in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they, paid no atten- but they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business. While the, rest, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops to destroy those murderers and burn their city. Then he said with it to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite, uh, invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there, is no, there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. You may be seated. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we enter into your word and as I share, Lord, as a simple servant of yours, Lord, would you again help this word uh, penetrate our hearts God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. That there, if there's one here that has not received the great invitation that's uh, spoken about by the King, Lord, that they would be moved today to say that today would be the day of their salvation. The day that they would come to pay homage and, and worship the King and, and, and the honor that He's deserved, Lord, of His Son. Lord, again, we just ask God that today that You would just move in this service, Lord, Again, use uh, just my simple words uh, as I share from your inspired word to uh, prick the hearts of those that are here today. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Real quickly, i got to open up my phone because I added something real quickly. Um, in the 1980s, when I was a kid, uh, there was, a, there was a, a wedding. It was called the Wedding of the Century. Um, and uh, those who probably are familiar with uh, British royalty, they probably know this as being that of Princess Charles and Lady Diana. 
Um, this was a big to-do. It was the wedding of the century. It was, it was one that was due, uh, that gave, it was, it was really a big to-do because it caused people uh, to look uh, at the venue that they were going to have it at and the decor and the flowers. It was going to be televised and followed closely by those who were going to come and, and be there. The RSVP list was of those who were really chosen. It was a very important following that the people that were going to be there. So um, not only that, it, it was estimated that it was about $57 million uh, for this, this wedding of the century. That was, uh, if you look at inflation today, it would have been almost $110 million in today's world. Um, we see that, you know, this, 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 this uh, British royal wedding was one that anybody would have wanted to be at. It was because of the magnitude and the importance of the people there, the televised, uh, uh, the telev- how it was televised, but also those who would be coming to this great venue, this, this great time of celebration. Here's what I want to say with this opening here with Princess uh, Charles and Lady Diana. That's just a small thing in comparison to what the Lord is talking about in his parable. When we talk about a feast that somebody would want to be invited to, this was a feast that um, in his parable that the Lord shared would have been a great time of royal celebration. It would have been held in the palace. It would have had the most prestigious guest list, similar to the, the royal wedding there in the British wedding, but this would be one of, for the king and his son. This was one that, as we looked at it, would have been uh, one to celebrate with the best of the food, the best foods that would have been possible, and it would have been really the most elaborate, imaginable celebration that one could imagine in this parable. We see that the one that uh, we talked about with Princess Charles and Lady Diana pales in comparison to the one that we're looking about at today in Matthew in this, in this uh, gospel. Uh, so here, here's what we want to do first is we want to see that first it talks about this great wedding marriage feast. This was a place to not be like a funeral. It wasn't a place to be where people would be sad, but it was a great grand place to be. It was a place that where people would come and that they would come and be in, in anticipation to come. And so it's, he opens up and, and Jesus says to them, he spoke to them a parable in verse 1. A parable, just for us to have an understanding, was just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It was Jesus trying to point to a deeper truth as he shared with these uh, that he was sharing with about this parable. And, and for us today here, I hope that we have ears to hear that this is something that has eternal value. It's not just an earthly story, but what Jesus shared about this great marriage feast was to point to the importance of this occasion. It was one that where the subject was made clear, the kingdom of heaven. Here we see Jesus in verse 2, as he shares in the parable, says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. You see, this, this kingdom of heaven was the, the subject of this parable. He wanted us to see that this was, for, this was for a people, specifically a spiritual community of people who were God's redeemed people. In other words, it referred to the reign of God in their hearts and the souls of the people there who he was well pleased to dwell in. We see also, um, as we work through this text, not just the subject, but we see that uh, all who entered into the kingdom were under the lordship 
of Christ and subject to his reign and rule. So we see that the parable was this this, uh, earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The subject was about the kingdom of heaven. And we see that it was to be one that it would be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And so we, we see uh, there's a Pharisee in John chapter 3 named, uh, named Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And later on in the verses in 5 and 6, he says, Jesus answered him, Nicodemus, and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. This is talking about a new birth that happens um, in, in someone who comes to faith in Christ. And Nicodemus was confused about this spiritual birth. But here we see that this spiritual birth is to be in the person and, and placed in the person of the Son, Jesus. Remember, we talked about the kingdom of heaven referring to God's redeemed people. So we see in verse, verse 2 where the word son is used, it leads us to see that the intention of this marriage feast, this great celebration, was to be on the son, the preeminent one. The one who was to be able to, the one who was to receive uh, all the honor, the respect, the praise that was to be shown. It was, the, it was ultimately to be, um, to be the one who, the son was to be the one glorified and worshiped and nothing else. He was to be the preeminent one. So this is the, the, the setting of this parable is this great marriage feast is the Lord is setting up this idea of uh, this kingdom of heaven being what he wants them, uh, us to see is that it is salvation now, not speaking of a future kingdom to come, even though we know that is true in the Bible. But he's speaking about people who have been redeemed by the Son, Jesus, who had had this spiritual birth and who had received the Son as their most precious and marvelous gift. So we see that the Father's grand purpose and salvation for all of us here to this morning is that the Son would be glorified and honored. He is to be worshipped. It's not about us. It's about Him. It is about the Father who would give honor to His Son and lead us to do the same with our lives. It says uh, in Philippians, Paul gives us a glimpse into this in verses 9 through 11. He says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. And that is the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here we first see this first point of today, if you're taking notes, is that God extends an invitation to Israel. Verses 3 through 11. Okay, so if you're taking notes, write that down. And you can put verses 3 through 7. We see here in the king's invitation, it says, and the king uh, sent, uh, sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. We see the servants here are representing the old prophets of old. They are the ones who were invited to the wedding feast, but in the words in this parable, they were those who were invited, but they refused to come. Israel had this invite to this exclusive list 
this exclusive guest list to be a part of this celebration to the king, marriage feast for his son. But yet, as we see in the, in the book of Genesis, excuse me, verse 12, we see that God first calls out uh, the chosen people through Abraham, who were descendants would be the blessing for the whole world. And then the prophet uh, Amos says in verse 3, verse 2, that you have only have I chosen among the families of the earth. We see Israel was still unwilling, even with God's relentless plea, many times over. That's where he first extends this first invitation to come to the nation of Israel. But we see that they would not come. We see, we see that as they, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament where they persecuted, where they ridiculed, where they took the pro- prophetic words of the prophets and they, that were both spoken and written and they rejected those. And they even caused violence to them and kept them in, in prison in many cases, and even sometimes led to death. We see that God, again, extended this invitation through Israel, through uh, them being enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God chose to free and deliver them through Moses. But again, the prophet Jeremiah in 7.13 says this, While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. We see here clearly a rejection in the Old Testament of Israel with this first invitation as, as was sent out by the king for his son's uh, invitation to the marriage feast. But we also see um, another point today is that the king showed abundant mercy and patience. In verses 4 through 6, uh, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited... See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Here we see the other invitation being sent out, the second one. The second invitation was for those living during the life of Christ. This is the time as he's sharing this parable those, with those who are around him. It was those who were, he was trying to point to people to Christ And it was found through these other servants like John the Baptist, the 12 apostles, the 70 who he sent out in Luke 10, and even Jesus himself as he spent the three years preaching and teaching about the gospel of the kingdom to Israel. But they, when they heard the message coming from him, they didn't hear him um, declare himself as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Yet they had, he had been offering himself to this nation of Israel, himself and his kingdom. But Israel again and again rejected this invitation. That is what's seen in, when it's used the word other servants in verse, the beginning of verse 4. We see that those were invited. They, they didn't come and they turned again to their own ways. Romans 10.21 says, but concerning Israel, he says, all the day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and stubborn people. Again, the word again is not just speaking uh, now of the Old Testament, it's speaking of the New Testament. It's of God continually trying to invite and, and to share his love with these people, even here seen in a new chapter of the, of, of the New Testament. Again, they would not come to see uh, God for who he was. 
And that's the word here, again, shows that God's abundant mercy and his patience was there for Israel. Even though they disgraced the king and rejected the invitation, which is really incomprehensible to think about, that somebody would, would do that towards a king um, as they have such a grand invite to come and be a part of something so special. But they reacted uh, in, in, a, in the opposite direction of what they should have been doing. They disregarded the invitation. In Psalms 86.15, we see uh, God, His patience talked about here. Uh, in 86 verse 15, he says, But you, O Lord, are a God of merciful, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Here, this is God showing his patience with the people of Israel. Not only in the Old Testament through prophet after prophet and, 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 and trying to speak prophetic words to these people, they ignored the invitation. But then we see this invitation in the New Testament go out through different individuals and through the life of Jesus. But again, they didn't respond to the message and the invitation of the king. So we see here that this, this king um, really was very slow to anger in this parable. This is something that we need to uh, think about when it comes to God, that he is, he is merciful and he is gracious. Some of us here today... God is being slow to anger with you. He is being slow to give you opportunity after opportunity like he did with the children of Israel to respond to his gracious invitation to be a part of something so special that is, is only found through his son, Jesus. And one day, uh, those who trust in that will experience joy, but those who continually reject it, God is being patient with them. The words in verses 5 through 6, they paid no attention and went off, means that they cared very little for the invitation that God had for them. They made light of it because they were too busy, too concerned with their own matters and, and wrapped up in the world that they lived in to see this gracious invitation. They were too consumed with their own worldly pursuits. And here today, church, I hope that we are asking ourselves, are we too wrapped up in in our own lives, in the own things that we're pursuing, in, in order that we're missing what God has laid out in front of us. I know we're talking about the children of Israel, but this applies to us as we work through this parable. We're going to see the invitation goes out to any and all to come. And my question for us here today, are we missing what the Lord has for us because we are too busy pursuing the things of this world? Romans tells us not to be conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So let us be people who pursue and not miss this invitation of the king to come and to see his son and be a part of this grand invitation. See, these men here um, mentioned in verses 3 through 5 were not just men disconcerned and wrapped up in worldly pleasures, but they were ones who enjoyed their own selfish enjoyments. It says, one went to his farm. This shows that the property and the crops were of greater value in his treasure rather than the treasure, the, 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 the invitation of the king. We also see another uh, one was a businessman. He was engaged with business, co commerce, trade, other things uh, of the world. He was looking to make profit for himself, wrapped up in the world's dealings. Church, one thing that we can take from both of these men is that the world has a lot to offer, but don't miss the greatest thing, the invitation from the king to come to the great marriage feast.
Don't be preoccupied with your personal pursuits and gains to miss what the God has for you. See, these, these men at the end of uh, the verses, uh, verse 5, we see that there was even some that uh, went as far to persecute and kill his servants in this parable. This is a reminder that to us that we, we uh, can see people in our day to day that when, when they learn about God and learn about what Jesus has done for them and learn about this great invitation, they don't want to attend because it threatens their position, their prestige, their wealth, their security. But here's the thing. All of our security, wealth, and prestige is only can be found in Christ. And so for us here this morning, let us not miss the invitation as these, as Israel did in these first two invitations. But we see here that also the king judged the rejectors and punished them in verse 7. You see, the king's vast patience finally uh, wore uh, thin and his exhaustion with them uh, came to an end. We see that he judged them by sending his troops to destroy the murderers and those who mistreated and killed his servants and burned their city. We see that this is, uh, most commentators point to uh, this reference as the, the, the great destruction that has to happen to Jerusalem in 70 AD by Titus, who was a Roman general that was led there to lay siege and destruction upon Jerusalem. You see, what brings upon our destruction and our, our, our punishment is, is truly our rejection of God. If we are here today and we reject God and the, the invitation of his, his love that He gives and He's displayed through His Son on the cross, then we are, we, are in, in, we are in for us to receive punishment and condemnation. You see, when we reject God, it's our rejection that causes us to be condemned. In John 3, verse 18, it says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned. That's speaking of Jesus. Already because He has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, the way that we uh, receive and we don't enter into receiving condemnation and and, uh, rejection is coming to the Son and receiving the Son. That leads me to my kingdom question today um, for us here this morning is, there's one of the kingdom questions, are you rejecting or putting other things of lesser importance before the kingdom's invitation? Are you missing what Christ has done for you on the cross? How much He loved you? How much He bore your sins and died for you in your, in, in your place? Took, he was our substitute. How are you missing that because of other things in the world and your your treating God's message of love and His salvation as a, a, a thing to just be disregarded as these people here in these verses, which then brought upon the king's judgment and their, their, their end. Here we see also in the second point today is we're going to see an invitation uh, to participate in the kingdom. I might have went. The king's invitation to Israel. Okay, and then we have... An invitation, excuse me, I'm sorry. An invitation to uh, participate in the kingdom. Okay, so here is my second point of today in verses 8 through 10 is the king's invitation to any and all. This is the beautiful invitation. It says in verse 8, Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. 
Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Here's the thing that Israel was not worthy because they ignored and they had brought condemnation on themselves. But here's the beautiful thing. This once exclusive guest list list is now an open invitation for any and all to come. The king then invites those who are on the main roads in verse 9. God's servants are those that are invited are to invite all those that come. I love the, the in verse 9, it says, Go therefore to the main roads and invite those to the wedding feast. Do you hear the words go therefore? That is exactly what we see in the Lord's Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19, where he tells us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Here's one of the things that we need to understand is that God, in in his invitation that was rejected by Israel, has now been extended to us that are Gentiles. He has now extended it, and he wants us to go out and tell others of this great invitation, this simple message that all are welcome to the great wedding feast of the Son. And he, 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 he bids us as his people, to, as his church, to cast a wide net. This is one that would be uh, for all races and nations and ethnic groups. There is no one too diff- difficult. There is no one too sinful. There is no one too good. And there is no one who is too disabled. He invites them all to come in to be with the Father at this great marriage wedding feast. It is simple. We are called to come uh, to this wedding feast, but we are also to call others to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, one thing I want us to see, and, and especially here in Johnstown and, and where I pastor in Chillicothe, is one of the things is the most important things is if you are one of God's redeemed people, that you are living your life every day, pointing other people to this invitation that the king gives. You're pointing them to the son. You're pointing them to the, the, the importance of, of this person who is Jesus and what he's done for them. Let us live our lives to be those who point other people to Christ because the invitation of the King is for all. Here's the thing it says in Romans 10.12. It says, For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and is richly blessed all who call on Him. Here's the thing. He calls and richly blesses all who call on Him. The invitation is no longer just for a few, but everyone. No matter who you are, no matter if you're rich or you're poor, no matter if you're high or you're low, no matter if you have no education or if you have lots of education, no matter if you're moral or immoral, the religious or the irreligious, God's invitation is to all of us here to go out and tell other people that, but also first to know that that invitation is extended to us. We need to be a church that is an Acts 1-8 church. That Acts 1-8 is that we need to be living out in our Jerusalem the importance of sharing God to those who are around us very close. But then in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, be sharing about the good news of Christ. You see, the other important thing that I want to draw your attention to in in verse 10 is that the king invited both the, the bad and the good. You know, the king calls his servants to go out 
not just to the morally bad and the morally good. What, what, what's the point in this parable that God is making? It's, it's making? He's making this simple fact and this known. It's that all of us are unequally unworthy and standing in the Lord in, in the Lord's standing in front of the Lord and attending the Lord's feast. That there's no one that has in their own merit or their own good enough to stand before God. But yet he invites all the bad and the good, showing that we're all unworthy. We all need Jesus. We all need the saving, um, saving, uh, saving uh, work of, of the cross in our lives and upon us. You see in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace that we have been saved through faith, and it is not a work of ourselves, but it is a gift of God that no one may boast. Here's the thing, that we see that this is a work and a gift of God, that if we come to faith in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're bad or you're good, we're all in need of this, this grace, this gift of God that, that only comes through His Son, Jesus. We must remember that a person's worthy of receiving salvation is not on any sort of human goodness or religion. Amen? But it's only found in Jesus. It's not found in our religion or our spiritual accomplishments, but only because we have said yes to the invitation to receive God's Son, Jesus, into our lives as our personal Lord. We also see in verse 10, we see the king's invitation was accepted by those who it was extended to. Unlike those of the Old Testament and those in the New Testament uh, that was made up Israel where they rejected time and time again the prophets and those who were the apostles and those who were the disciples, they rejected the message of even Jesus. We see now this invitation was accepted in verse 10 by any and all that would come. Here's a kingdom question for us this morning. Have you turned from your sins and trusted in Christ to receive His invitation? This is a personal receiving His invitation. It's not just simply knowing that the invitation's been given, but you have to respond to that invitation. You have to respond knowing that there is a holy God. He is loving, but He is also just. And the only way that we're going to be pardoned when we stand before Him, as it says in Hebrews 9.27, to stand before Him in, in judgment is to know that we have Christ in His righteousness. Let that sit in. So have we turned from our sins and trusted in Christ to receive this invitation? And then the second thing, if so, if you are a believer here this morning, are you inviting others or judging others? What I mean by that. Are you inviting others because all have been invited? Those who look different than you. Those from different countries. Those who may be of different social status. Or those who are different educational backgrounds. Those who just, just simply look different than us. Let me just say this as a pastor. I know really quickly that it's easy to judge people. And some of the most people that judge the most are those who are in church. Those who need to instead of have the eyes of Christ, have compassion on those who we see and who have been, this invitation has went out to, but we need to be more inviting and not judging. So I pray that you would think about that. The third thing that we want to see today is that the king's invitation... Okay. We're just not going to use that. 
The, the, third thing, the third thing we see today is the king's confrontation with the guest. This is really important that we don't miss this in the parable in verses 11 through 13. It says this, but when the king came to, in to look at the guest, he first saw that there was a man with, that had no wedding garment. And then he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding garment? And he was speechless. Let me first point out to, in this, in this that the day that the the king comes to the wedding feast will be a great day of inspection. It'll be a day of inspection for all those who come. Are we clothed with the wedding clothes, the garments that are provided for us through His Son? You see, God makes provisions for everyone, but it only comes through one person. There's only one way to enter into heaven. It says in John 14, 6 that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. The invitation is extended, but it's only found through faith in Jesus Christ, through belief and trusting in what He's done for us, and confessing our need for that into our lives. If we've done that, then we will, we will see when we are inspected that one day, as, as this gentleman was in this parable, that we will not be seen unfit, but we'll seen, be seen as the Lord wants us to be seen. Our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Here's the thing uh, that is sad about this man who came. As, as, as all were invited, all that, were, that, that the invitation went out to, God provided these garments to be worn because they were coming just as they were called into this marriage feast. The sad thing is that this gentleman came thinking that he could come on his own terms, thinking that he could come in his own righteousness, in his own goodness. But here's the thing that we need to understand here at church today is that there's no fooling him, the king, when we get to heaven. There's no fooling him when we, we stand before him in judgment. The only thing that he's going to see is have we trusted in the person of Christ and him alone. That we're not standing or, or depending on anything of our good to have right standing with God, but only what, have, what Christ has done for us. You know, some of the things that we see about this invited man that was improperly dressed is that he was a man without wedding clothes. He was asked one question by the king, and the man was speechless. The wedding clothes, as I have already pointed out, represents our righteousness received from Jesus. There is no guest acceptable uh, for the wedding feast unless he comes clothed in the proper clothing of righteousness. We see here, as we look at this man, he was speechless and he was uh, muzzled or muted. He had no answer to the king. As he said, friend, why do you come improperly dressed? He was without no excuse. He was guilty of disloyalty and disrespect and dishonor of choosing to show up wearing the wrong clothing when something else was provided for him. Church, I want to just tell you here, uh, as a, a guest pastor speaking to you, is that if you're trusting in anything other than Christ to, to be able to be looked upon by the Lord favorably, there's nothing else than Jesus. You know, this, is, this man was, was muzzled and muted because he had come on his own terms. And, the, and we see the king judge the man who was clothed not properly. There are three things that we see about this man as he was judged by the king by being clothed improperly. First, that he was bound by his hand and his foot, preventing him from ever returning. 
The man was bound, uh, showing that there was no resistance to be given. That he was of no escape. That the king's judgment was final. And the king said that it was done on that great day of the feast. Here's the one thing that we need to let settle into our hearts and minds. Is that there is, when the king says it, there is nothing that's going to change it. When he bound this man from his hand and foot, showing that there, there was no... There was no escape, no resistance. But also, there was th- that he was taken away from the presence of those at the great marriage feast. This means it's speaking of he was permanently banished from the king's presence. Now, I want you to think about this this morning. If you're not in the king's presence, you are being, and, and you're bound by your hands and feet, and you're taking from the presence of the king, you are cast into outer darkness. This only speaks of one that was not allowed to ever share in this occasion. Here's, here's the thing that I want, it's, it's really it's sobering to think about, but there are so many, even in churches today, that are trusting in other things other than Jesus for their righteousness and their right standing before God one day. And one day, they, they'll miss it all together when they get to stand before a holy God one day and He properly judges them. They will never have an opportunity to come back. They'll be permanently banished from the God's presence. They will be in a place where it is uh, of, of utter darkness, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Church, this, this is something we need to let settle into us here as we see this man who came not clothed properly in the wedding garment. He was cast in the outer darkness, cut off from ever seeing this occasion again. There, here's the thing. We, we don't get a second chance to rewrite something that we hadn't already done in our lives. We either choose Christ now and know that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that He is the way that leads to true life, and then we show up to this great marriage feast appropriately in the appropriate attire, and that God will receive us as one of His own. Here's the thing that those who come properly dressed, there's nothing to worry about. It's a joyous occasion. It's one of celebration. It's one of the greatest and, and grandest feasts that will be with, with the one who we're there to worship and bring honor and glory to. But for those who come and, and, uh, upon that inspection, inspection day uh, in, in, the, in the wrong manner, they're going to have uh, a great, great day of judgment upon them. We see that uh, in Isaiah 64, 6, if you, if you are familiar with this passage, it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like leaves, and our, our iniquities like the wind are take, take us away. We see that all of us in our own standing, we, all of our good works, all the things that we think will be good merits to put before the Lord when we stand before Him at this great marriage feast before the King, before His Son, will be like filthy rags, polluted garments. I like what Charles H. Spurgeon says. He says that no man can put on the robe of Christ's righteousness till he has taken off his own. Now think about that, church, today. Have, we taken off, have you personally taken off your own filthy garment, your polluted garment that was spoken about in Isaiah, and found the person of Jesus and His, His goodness, His righteousness that He gives to you. He imputes it to us. God is so, so good. 
And I, also in Isaiah, it speaks that of, uh, in verse uh, 60, chapter 61, verse 10, it says that I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with His garments of salvation. He has clothed me with the robe of righteousness as the bridegroom decks himself like the priest with beautiful head garments or headdress as the bridegroom adorns herself with jewels. You see, this beautiful cloth, clothing of garment is found in salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. He has covered us with the robe of righteousness. It, aren't you happy, church, today that we don't have to try to earn God's favor? That we come just as we are. We're all invited. Every single person here, regardless of who you are, no matter where you come from, you're invited to the king's great wedding feast for his son. The only thing you have to remember is to come in the right, in, in right clothing, the right, the, right, the right garments. Here's the thing that we need to know, that, that God will see those who are hypocrites and frauds, and they will be found out. But those who are trusted in Christ will be welcomed and loved and be brought in. You see, this man that was looked upon coming in the wrong manner to this wedding feast for the king, he was self-willed. He was prideful. He was one who thought that he could come any way that he wanted to come. We've got to be careful, church, that we're not in that same thinking. That we must be careful to know that we don't come on our own terms. We only come through Christ and His imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness here simply just means that righteousness that comes as a consequence of what God's saving work has done for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness in God in Him. So the last thing that we're going to see is that God calls many, but few are chosen in verse 14. Here's my question for you today. Are you one of the ones that have heard the call of God, the great invitation that He extends to you, and you're going to be one of those few that respond and, and God, you allow your life to be giving over to Jesus, knowing that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that when you show up to the great marriage feast one day that is shared about in this parable, that you'll be able to stand before God knowing that you won't be cast out, knowing that you won't be bound to by hand and feet never to be able to return again but you will be there in the presence of the lord for all forever with all that have chosen to follow god so here's the question for us to think about are we ready to stand before god one day if so live a life that would point other people to this great invitation also we must receive the good news of the gospel invitation and and believe it with our hearts Confess it with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that we'll be saved. We must also realize that salvation comes only by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. It comes by no other means. I know, I know all of us want to make in, in, our, in our following of God and in our faith, we want to think there's something other than that that we have to do in order to be with right standing with God, but there's nothing else. I know we, we want to believe that, but it's only through faith in Christ alone, through His grace that He provides. We also must invite all to respond to the good news and warn them of the judgment if ignored. If we love people, if we genuinely love people, 
that are in our families and in the, the co-workers we work with, those who are around Johnstown here, we need to share about the invitation that, that, to bid them to come, but also the, the, to warn them of the judgment if not. God is a loving God. And I just I, I pray that if there's those here today that have never responded to this invitation, don't be like the children of Israel, the children of the Old Testament, the children of, uh, of Israel that is found in the New Testament that continually had the person of Jesus there ministering to him, but missed who he was altogether. You know, you can come to church time and time again and hear the gospel, and you can miss it altogether. But here's what I want to say to you. If you realize what God has done for you and respond in, in that, in faith, then the Bible says that you will be saved. Today is the day of salvation. So what I want to do, I'm going to welcome up the team to come up with us today. And, and I'm going to pray for us. Um, and then they're going to sing uh, for us. And I just want to just, uh, again, just plead with you. If you have not come to saving faith in Christ and put your faith in his trust and in his righteousness, then today is the day to respond and be, know that one day, that great marriage feast, you'll be a part of that and not have to face rejection and judgment. So let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for any individual in here today that has not responded to the good news that is found in your son, Jesus, that he, that he lived a perfect life, that he came and he died for us on the cross, and that through his life, God, that uh, he was raised uh, to be resurrected and to ascend with you. And God, through his life, God, that you are our substitute. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that has uh, tried to find their good in themselves or in something other than Christ and him alone, Lord, that they would come to see that this great invitation, this great marriage feast is for them. And God, that this invitation is for uh, us to tell others about. Lord, again, thank you for this church. I pray for its leadership. I pray for those who are here, God, that they would respond um, in, in, in view of what they've learned about God and his invitation today. Uh, talk to Pastor Ben or Pastor Kyle or Pastor uh, Eldon, Lord. I pray, God, that you would again just, uh, just awaken their hearts to the fact that, that one day we will stand before a holy God. And the only thing that we can be clothed in is your righteousness. And we pray this in your name. Amen.